Lisa, we're the kids and family pastors here at Connect Church. It is my honor to welcome you guys with us today. Yeah. I'm a pacer, also because it's super uh, bright in here. I can see, so like there's going to be a part of me that naturally just wants to say, oh, hey, how's it going? How was your week? Did you go to Home Depot this week? Pick up some Christmas bricks? That might be a part of what happens right now, but I just wanted to encourage us today before we get into worship. Last week, we read out of Hebrews 10.23. And I was, uh, this week I was challenged to look at that in the Passion Translation. And in that it says to tightly wound your heart around the hope within us that God keeps his promises. I was painting up Christmas decorations recently. I'm not a person that starts decorating for Christmas in October. I respect the seasons. I was talking to Dan about that. I'm not saying, I'm not casting judgment. There's not a place of judgment. I'm also a traditionist. I'm a one-tree household. I'll just leave it at that. But when we start decorating the house, we start laying the garland and all the different things around the house. And when they're inside the house, you like haphazardly place them, right? You're like, because they're just going to be here. So I can drape a little light over here and do a little thing over here. But this, this week I was decorating outside. And as I was pitting up the reefs on the window and tying up the holly and the boxwood, with the fishing line, I realized the importance of making sure those things were tightly wound up. Because on the day I did it, there was no rain, no storm, no breeze, no wind. It was seasonably warm. Unseasonably warm. Yeah, that's, that's right. But the next night, a storm came. And it started raining and casting, blasting on our, on our door. It was one of those weird things where it just rained in Collinswood, and then it just kind of went away. I live in Collinswood. That's a different thing. All right. And, but, but I wanted to say that, that sometimes we think, oh, man, I'm good. I'm slightly loosely connected to the hope of the Lord. And, and, and if I resist and I pull away, it's okay because I'm still connected. But, man, when the storms come. It's important for us to be tightly connected wow. to his hope. It's important for us to be tightly connected, knowing what his promises are. Yes. So today, this morning, before we get into worship, I just, I'm going to pray for us, but I'm going I'm to challenge us in this time to take the next step and what that looks like for you to tightly wound yourself to God's hope. If that's lifting your hands, lift your hands. If that's starting to read the words on the screen, read the words on the screen. If that's just praying for yourself and for your family, just do it. If that means coming up here, do that. But I will promise you this, that he is faithful and true to who he is. So if you feel comfortable with me, just bow your heads, lift your hands. We're going to pray. Then if I, Lord, we thank you that you're already here that you've already begun a work, Father. Lord, we pray, Lord, that your love in this time, Lord, will draw us to tightly wound ourselves closer to your hope, Lord. I pray for every person in the sound of my voice, whether in this room or at home, whether watching live or on a replay, Father, I pray that your love will restore them, will redesign them, recommit them, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd find them on the mountain and you find them in the valley. Yes. Yes. Father, whether they're put together or falling apart, yes. Lord, that you have them. And I pray today, Lord, that we boldly proclaim your truth, 
your promises, Father. And if we don't know them, I pray today, Lord, that you reveal them to us. And I pray that every man and woman within the sound of my voice will be changed by a radical connection and encounter with you today. Amen. Let's rejoice for the hope that we have in God. It's not for this moment, but it is for all of eternity. And it is the most important time of the year to be celebrating that together, right here, right now, during this Christmas season. So let's sing this together. God, you alone keep hope alive. may be darkest, but your light is greater. You light our way, God, you light our way. When evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save.
over life from the beginning to end. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Daddy, there's nothing more true than that this morning. We've got hope because you're breathing. We've got hope because you're living. We've got hope because you have all authority in heaven and earth over things visible and invisible. Things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth, things that are natural, things that are supernatural. You have control, power, authority, akousia over all of those things. Daddy, that's what hope looks like. We don't have hope in ourselves. We don't have hope in our goodness. We've got hope in you. Because you are an amazing God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you that you're sitting, Jesus, at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence you will come to bring your children home one day. So, Daddy, what we're facing today, we bring to you. Our hearts, our lives, we bring to you. And more than that, we cling to you because you and you alone, Jesus, are the king. Today, we bow our knee. We bow our knee. Forgive us for all the times that we have had you as our co-pilot rather than as the pilot. Forgive us for grabbing the wheel when we should take our hands off. Forgive us for our control. Today we surrender our lives and place them in your control. And we pray, Jesus, like you taught us to. Let your kingdom come. Oh God, let your kingdom come. Daddy, as we see what happened in Michigan again this week. Senseless lives lost by the hate and violence that our enemy spreads so quickly. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth and in this church, in our lives and in our nation, in our world, as it is in heaven. Let that be our prayer. And we ask these things, Jesus, in your mighty name. And together in faith we say, Amen, and 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 amen. Woo! Oh, I love, I, I, oh, oh, team, oh, thank you. What a beautiful truth. We have hope, not because we're breathing. We have hope because he's breathing. <laughs> you know, we say it all the time, but my prayer today, before we even hop in just a little bit deeper, is that... We don't just say that we serve a living God, that we come to really know it. That, that Jesus didn't just rise from the dead as some esoteric re religious theological belief system, but that somehow it translates into the depth of our heart. Come on, if he could conquer death, like, is your gas bill too much for him? 
Like seriously, right? I know like we're going to laugh, but the truth is, is, is sickness too much? Like he, he conquered the greatest thing that the world, the greatest fear we've got is not public speaking. <laughs> the greatest fear we've got is to die. He conquered the greatest fear we ever have. And he didn't conquer it just by dying. He conquered it by rising. We don't serve a dead savior. We serve a living God who's in our world. Man, may that just translate today to somebody. May that break give hope to somebody today. There's someone who's going through something, man, may you get that into your heart. The tune, just see it in your mind right now. The stone's been rolled away. The body isn't there. The angels are standing there, and they're saying, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He rose just like he said. Because hope is God's confession of truth. He said it, he'll do it. I believe it over your life today. I believe it over your life. Hey, can we just do one last thing? If you are here today right now and you're facing sickness, if you're facing uh, uncertainty, if you're facing depression, if you're facing addiction, if you need a breakthrough in the name of Jesus Christ, you need whatever it is, relational, financial, spiritual, physical, can you just lift up your hand? We're going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. If you feel comfortable, it's all right. Just lift up your hand. The Bible says we're to touch anything in agreement. It's going to be done. I need a, I need a touch from God today. I need, a, I, need a, I need a breakthrough. I need a healing in the name of Jesus. We reach out to the healer, to the healer of bodies, to the healer of minds, to the healer of souls, to the healer of finance, to the healer of relationships, Lord God, of the healer of past, of the healer of shame, of the healer of abuse, of the healer of addiction, of the healer of oppression, of the healer of, 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 of satanic generational curses. Father, we thank you that you and you alone are Jehovah Rapha, the God that is healing itself. Your word says we're to touch anything in agreement. If anyone is sick, come on. If anyone is sick, let the elders pray. And the prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well. So right now we touch these things in agreement. It is not our power, it is yours. It's not our righteousness, it's yours. It's not our goodness, it's your goodness. But we believe. We believe. And I believe for every hand that's raised right now. I believe. Miracles, signs, and wonders follow. I believe. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe it. 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 Hallelujah. Let's believe that thing together. Well, hey, that's the beauty of being able to do life well together. That's what church is. Church isn't a Sunday morning event. It's about a time that we get to share life together. And wherever you are on the journey... Wherever you are with being here at Connect, whether this is your first time, and if it is, thank you for coming out today. We know it just took some courage to come in, walk down that door. Or whether you've been here for a long time, this is family. This is what life looks like. So can I encourage you? Man, if you, you may not have lifted up your hand, but someone next to you did. Carry that with them. This week, you may not even know their name. God does. Say, God, that, that lady in the third row that was in front of me, God, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to agree. She needed a breakthrough. This isn't just about what we get. It's about doing life together. Amen? Yes. Awesome. Part of doing life together is getting to know one another. So as you're being seated, I know we still got masks on, but turn to someone. Maybe just say hi. Take a moment. Give them a fist pump, an elbow bump, a high air high five. Get to know somebody next to you. Hey, babe.
Can I have my drink? <laughs> that might be disrespectful. <laughs> I just said to Danielle, I don't know where I'm going to put my drink. She said, put it in the middle of the advent calendar. I said, that might just not, that may, that may not be a good idea. I'm already going to have to navigate around things today. Well, it is Advent, so uh, happy uh, second week of Advent to everybody. Advent just simply means His coming. Jesus is coming. In this Christmas season, sometimes it's nice to remember, in the midst of it all, it's not just about uh, the final Christmas day. It's about the season of preparation of Him coming. Celebrating that tonight, we get to celebrate that tonight as a family in a real way. Tonight is our Christmas uh, toy store uh, for our community, both in the house and outside of the house, which I'm really excited about. Thank you for giving. Because you're giving, we're going to be able to, to give gifts to over 300 children uh, in our area. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Uh, just moms and dads, see, for us, it's not just about getting gifts in the kids' hands, which I think is important, but it's about helping bring some peace to moms and dads. That's why we're doing it so early. Matter of fact, Pastor D and I were talking about it just on the way in today, that this is the time of year that this weekend is a really good time to do it. It's not a great time for church to do it because the truth is it doesn't feel Christmassy yet, like in church, in church life. But for a parent to be able to have a presence already now, yeah. it enables parents to do this. <sighs> and I would much rather them spend some time with their children telling them about the reason for Christmas than being stressed out having to buy presents for Christmas. So thank you for giving, church. Thank you for, uh, for serving tonight. I know uh, you should already have time, but the, the, our, uh, our loving our community starts at 6 tonight. So it's going to be great. If you can't be here, pray. Um, because we're not just giving gifts away, we're giving the gospel away. So that for us, that's what we do. If you want to know about what, we, what we're all about when we do these things, whether it be uh, TKC, our food truck, or these moments, these moments are a means. Jesus is the end. Food is a means. Jesus is the end. Toys are a means. Jesus is the end. So we always take opportunities to share the gospel. Well, that's what we want to do right now as well. Are you ready for the word today? I'm ready. I'm excited today to, to, to bring you the word. Since you have your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, if you can't find it, just kind of open up your Bible in the middle. It'll be there. If you need a title for today, since it's Advent and we seem to be going with uh, Christmas carol themes, the title today is, O Come All Ye Faithful. O Come All Ye Faithful. Because today, I want to talk just a little bit, if we can, about faith. Because I think our world for so long has misrepresented and really misappropriated what faith is. Not only outside the church, but inside the church as well. And I, and I think that that's a shame. And I'm sure all of us, if I was to pull everybody in here and I said, what, was, what does the word faith mean to you? We would have hundreds of different opinions about what faith actually looks, looks like. It, it's been so misrepresented from, from kind of just running the gamut from just kind of in a bigger way, just a, a generic term for other, of all types of religions. This is what faith is, all types of religions. Or to maybe a more modern church view, it's been weaponized Faith has been weaponized 
as a means through which we gain something. It's how we get the things from God we want from God. Faith. But can I just encourage you today? Faith is not your personal spiritual shopper. Like, like we don't go to our spirit app and kind of put in our needs and our wants and wait for that heavenly delivery and hope in its prime. Come on, somebody. Hoping the delivery is tomorrow. Like, that's not what faith is. What faith is? Faith is a gift. Faith is a relational gift. It's a relational gift. It's a means by which we get to know God. We get to understand the love of God towards us. And in understanding how much he loves you and I, we get to trust more in his love towards us. In those times, like Kevin talked about today, where the storms come, we know that we are held by not our faith in him, but his love towards us. That's what faith helps us to see. Last week, we, we talked about hope, and we said hope is God's confession of truth. If hope is God's confession of truth, then faith is our response to that truth. It's our, it's our outworking of it. How do we outwork God's truth? If God is saying this is what's true, then how do we put it into daily practice in our life? That's actually what faith is. It's the putting into practice what God says to be true and allowing that practice to lead us to a deeper revelation of who he is. We're going to see this in practice in the, in the verse we're going to talk about today, in this text we're going to talk about today, with the, three, with the, with, with the wise men, right? We three kings of Orionar. Can I just say, look, I don't know if there's three. Like, like, like the Bible doesn't say there was three. It's just a plural verb, a plural noun. Like there was more than one. I don't care. There could have been 18. I don't know. I'll probably say three. Don't hold it against me, right? But they're, they're, they're the wise men show up. They saw God doing something, and they responded to it. That's what faith is. Faith is seeing God do something. And responding to it in our daily lives. Putting it into action. And allowing it to lead us to Jesus. That's the beautiful thing about what faith actually does. That first Christmas season. These magi took a journey of faith. One step at a time. And it led them to a deeper knowledge of Jesus. That's our heart this weekend. Pastor D and my, and I know it's God's heart for you, is that in this Christmas season, would you please be willing to start taking a step or two beyond where you've been, whether this is the first or second step towards God, or this is 18,000th step towards God. Would you be willing to take just one or two or three more steps of faith to get to know him a little bit better? Because if you're willing, he is loving. Let's, let's look at this text together. We're going to see this in, our, in here. Matthew chapter 2, verse, 16, uh, verse 1 says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Many of you probably know this story. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
So they said to him, In Bethlehem in Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I'm going to stop there for a moment, just because this is cool. Do you, here's just another reason why you can believe and have hope in God. This thing that was just quoted by them was spoken 750 years before that moment. God said, I want to let you know, and by the way, I'm going to tell you which Bethlehem, because when there was spoken which, uh, about the Bethlehem, there were two Bethlehems. God said, I don't want you to be confused. I want to let you know my Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He said, you can put hope in it. And why? If you've got hope in it, my word is true. And now, in this verse, they're finding it to be true. 750 years before that. And don't you love, by the way, that God was born in a manger, not in a palace? Because in a palace, only a few people would have had access. But in a manger, everybody has access. Thank God. I don't know about you, but I'm somebody who couldn't get in the palace but I sure could get in a manger. That's the gospel. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, And when they had come to the house, they saw the young child uh, uh, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. My friends, underline that. Faith has a response. Faith has a response. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I think what I love the most about faith is this. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to take a step out. You don't have to have it all figured out. If the Magi had it all figured out, they would have never went to Herod's. They would have never went to Jerusalem. They would have went right to Bethlehem, right to the house, because they would have known ahead of time. But they didn't have it all figured out. I, I, I don't know about you, but for me, that's really a relief. That's some good news. Because if you are a perfectionist, do I have any perfectionists in the room? You are a type A. you got to have all the details before you step out. you got to know what you know before you know to go, right? You're a perfectionist. Or maybe you were raised in an oppressive household where if you did something out of line or, or not quite right enough. Or maybe you were raised like I was in more strict religion. Man, this journey of faith will mess you up. Because if you have a picture, because we want to get this thing right. When you're in that place, you want to get it right. Because if you've got a picture of a God that's angry and waiting for you to mess up, you're going to wait to get it right. Or if you've been taught, like I've been taught, you have to do things correctly, in the right order. There's a formula to this thing called faith. And if you don't do it right, you're out of luck. See, that's the beauty of what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7. Seek me and you'll find me. How beautiful that he didn't say, you got to seek me perfectly. My Jesus used specific words all the time. He knew exactly what he was saying. If he wanted to say the way to find me is to be perfectly seek me, he would have said it. He didn't. He said, man, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you seek me, that's good enough. You'll find me. That's what faith is. Faith is saying, I don't know him well enough yet. I don't know the depths of the love of my God well enough yet. I don't know the spirit well enough. I don't know the Father. And not feeling guilt or shame, but a desire 
to say, I see God moving. There's a star. I just saw a, I don't know where it's leading me, but I know I don't know where it's going, but I want to know where it's going, so I'm going to go after it. That's what faith looks like. When it comes to faith, my friends, it doesn't start with you and I anyway. It starts with God. The star showed up, and the men followed. They responded. Faith is how we respond to the revelation of God when he shows up into our life. Whether it be big, little, medium, today God's showing up in your life. How are you going to respond? This week, I promise you, God's going to show up in different ways. By the way, they were astrologers, so God sent them something they were looking for. My God is going to get your attention through the things you're looking for. And then they responded to it. Faith is not a denomination. It's not a philosophy on life. It is not a mechanism through which how we get what we want from God. Faith is our response to what God is already doing all around us. That's why James the brother of Jesus, could write in James chapter 2, verse 26, probably a verse many of you may be familiar with. Faith without works is dead. I love how one translation says that it says, faith without works is a corpse. <laughs> what is he really saying? He's saying that the response to the love of God in our life, it actually requires a physical response. It's not just a mental assent that something is true. There's physical response to it. That's why Jesus in John 14, 15 says, If you love me, based on love, it's all about love. Faith is based in love. If you love me, you'll do what I command. Now, to some of us who were raised under whacked out religion, come on, somebody, we hear that as a demand for obedience. This is how I hear that verse. If you love me, boy, you better do what I say. I'm the dad. You better listen to me. This is my house. You don't like my rules? Get out. Anybody? But all Jesus is doing in that verse is explaining to you and I what faith is. Faith is a love response to what he says. He's doing something, and we're saying, I want to be a part of that. Why? Because I love you. The truth is, my friends, if hope is God's confession of truth to us, then faith is our confession of what is real in our life back to him. Faith is the way that we love him back. Faith is the way that we say, I hear your love language, God, and I'm going to get behind what you're doing. Why? So that I can show you that I love you and make you feel loved by me. In the most simplistic of de definitions, faith is taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. It amazes me how easy it is for most of us to take what we read on Facebook at face value. Take what we read on social media, what CNN or Fox says or puts up on a splash page as we take them at their word. But then when we come to the word of God and it says, lift your hand in the sanctuary, whoa, I'm not sure. Forgive me. 10%. Ah. Come on. Faith at its most simple place is taking God at his word. 
That's why there's a difference between belief and faith. The wise men believed something was happening. That's why they were looking for it. Something was going to happen, so they started looking for it. Faith is responding to what was happening. That's the difference. I think the truth is a lot of us in this room, many of our friends and our neighbors, we have a curiosity about God. There's a natural curiosity to wonder, could God love somebody like me? What's God all about? Could God heal me? Could God prosper me? And what do I have to do to obtain those things? So that's why these, those kind of messages are so down, lo, downloaded so many times. Here are the seven principles to prosperity in your life because we're, we're looking, we're curious about what God can do for us. But that's the difference between a believer and a disciple. A believer is curious about what they don't know that will benefit them. The facts, the knowledge, Give me the principles, the seven keys. A believer is looking, is interested and curious about what they don't know. A disciple is walking out in faith towards someone who they don't know. It's not what they don't know, it's who they don't know. I'm going to do this journey in faith. Why? Because I don't know the Father well enough. I don't know the love of God well enough. I don't know the Holy Spirit the way that I can. I don't know the face of Jesus the way that I can. A believer is looking for the what. A disciple is moving in faith towards the who they don't know without any shame. And the beautiful thing, my friends, is that he responds every time. And if we'll simply be willing to surrender And take God at his word, things will change in us. And it will change how we come to him. And it will change how we interact with one another. It will change us from the inside out. See, the issue, if we're really honest with ourselves, the issue is that belief allows us to shape the revelation of God that we want to believe in. Or that we can only fathom believing in. But faith is the means by which God shapes the revelation of who he is to us. And he shows us that there are things bigger than us, higher than us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I don't always see things clearly. He sees them the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. See, my friends, he actually introduces us to a bigger world than what our own belief can bring in to itself. But it requires faith. That's why Paul can write in Romans 1.17 that the revelation of God brings us from faith to faith, faith to faith, because the righteous shall live by faith. Did you get that? It doesn't say from belief to belief because the righteous live by belief. It says from faith to faith because he wants us to live in faith. Now, I just want us to note something about the story so that we understand that what I'm talking about when it comes to faith isn't always easy. Can someone agree with me that the journey of faith is not always easy? Here's what I know from the story and I know from my life and from pastoring for over 30 years is that very often faith will lead you before your enemy, before it leads you into a deeper revelation of our king. It'll lead you into the presence of an enemy. We think faith is going to get us away from the enemy. 
No, a lot of times faith leads you to the enemy. Where's the first place the Magi end up? In Herod's court. Herod is not a friend. He plans on killing them. He does kill children after this. The first martyrs in the Bible. Why does he do it? I think he does it so that you and I know which voice to listen to. Because Herod had a voice and God had a voice. I, I think he does it so that we understand what is worshipped versus what is worthy of worship. I think he does it so that we understand what is authentic, what is real when it comes to following after something. We see this in the very presence of David. David, do you remember the story of David and Goliath? David, David is a king. But on that day that he's facing the enemy, there are two kings in that, in that camp. Two. One is sitting in a tent. His name is Saul. The other one is David, and he's carrying a sling and a stone. Why? God brings David before the enemy. Why? So he can show which king is authentic and which king is not. One king is following in faith, the other is not. One king is willing to trust God, the other one is willing to trust himself. One is trying to wear his own armor, the other says, I don't need armor other than the armor of God. That's what authenticity looks like. So sometimes you and I got to get around the enemy in order for us to know what voice to listen to, understand what's real in our life, understand what's really worthy of our worship, worthy of our attention, worthy of our drive in life. So we shouldn't be surprised in our faith journey when it leads us to an encounter sometimes with a strong enemy. The truth is you may be delayed there, but don't get waylaid there. There's a lot of us that are waylaid in our sickness, waylaid in our doubt, waylaid in our depression. It's okay to be delayed there. They were delayed there, but they were not waylaid there. Why? Because that enemy, the enemy you're facing right now, that enemy is not your final destination. That enemy does not have the authority to keep you there. Faith is taking you to see the king. Faith is taking you to see the king. Faith is taking you to see the king. Somebody in this room needs to rise up inside of themselves and say, I may be delayed in my enemy's stronghold right now, but my faith is taking me to see the king. On this side of the veil or the other side of the veil, faith is taking me to see the king. That's where faith leads. And I want to say something hopefully that can free us this morning. Faith isn't about a manifestation. It's about a deeper revelation of who God is. When I got saved and I got filled up with the Holy Spirit and I started my Pentecostal charismatic journey, I was taught all the time, have faith till it manifests. Faith till it manifests. Faith till it manifests. What is the it? That's the problem. It should have never been faith till it manifests. It should have always been faith till who manifests. Faith till he manifests. Faith till he shows me something deeper. Shows me who he is. Reveals his love at a deeper level than I knew before. It is not proven by the it. It is sanctified by the who. Our faith is in the wrong thing. It's in the wrong direction. The revelation may come through a manifestation. But it doesn't and it shouldn't depend on one. 
The wise men were led to the incarnation. The greatest miracle the world's ever seen. Greater than the, uh, than, than the resurrection. The greatest miracle the world's ever seen was God becoming man and being born into, into a manger. It led them to that manifestation. It led them to a deeper revelation of who God was. That's a way. But the Bible also tells me about three other wise young men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who stood before a Babylonian king and said, I don't care what you do. You can throw me in that fire, and my God can rescue me, but even if he doesn't, and even if he doesn't, I won't bow my knee anyway. That, my friends, is faith without a manifestation. And guess what? They got thrown into a fire. The fire didn't go out. The oven didn't implode. Come on, somebody. The guards didn't all die and leave them outside. Nope, they threw them in the fire. But then in the fire, a fourth man showed up. The Son of God came into the fire. I want to say to somebody today, come on, if you are in the fire, there's a fourth man that will show up. Faith led him into the fire. It didn't keep them from the fire. Sometimes we're going through it. We're like, God, I can't believe you let me go through it. I thought if I was a person of faith, I wouldn't go through it. He said, no, no. In the midst of you going through it, I'll show up. And sometimes he shows up in the jail cell like Paul and Silas. And sometimes he shows up on the way. Come on. And sometimes he shows up after you've been in the fire. But your faith is taking you to see the king. That's why Psalm 20, verse 7 says, some can trust in chariots, others will trust in horses. That means they'll trust in what man can do. But as for me, I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord my God. I'm going to trust in him because he is taking me to see the king. We should be believing for outward manifestations, but our faith should not depend on them. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we walk by faith, not by sight. The reality is, my friends, that faith is a journey. The wise men started with God's star in the sky. Then it was the word through the law. Then it was a child. And then it was a dream. Faith's a journey. Saving faith is a one-time moment. But living faith is a continual journey. Saving faith happens when I ask Jesus into my life. It's done right there. But living in faith is this ongoing journey of him revealing who he is to who I am. For some of us, just walking in here today was an act of faith. For some of us, forgiving a family member this Thanksgiving who didn't deserve it, (laughs) it's an act of faith. For some of us, taking a stance that we know will be very unpopular with people but will reveal who he is, that's a step of faith. For some of us, taking time just to make place to share our faith with a a co-worker, come on somebody, that's a step of faith. It's not one of them is better than any other. All of those things define the word faith. And the moment that we take steps of faith, 
He will show us something new about himself. When we lift up the hand of worship, we, we understand a deeper level of worship with God. When we forgive, we understand the, the depths of grace and love and forgiveness that forgave us. Come on. When we share the gospel, we are reminded of the joy of our own salvation. There are things we, we're, we, remind, we remind ourselves of the price he paid for that salvation. See, that the moment that we begin to take steps of faith, we learn more about who God is. There's a revelation in it. That's why faith is a growing process. <laughs> it's a lot like being a human, right? If you look at your life of faith, it's a lot like being a human. Because when you first get saved, you're like a little baby. You want to eat, 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 and then you mess yourself. That's my wife's like, nope, there had to be a poop joke in here somewhere. But then, then, then we become toddlers, right? And then we, and then we learn kind of, as a toddler, you start to understand relationship principles a little bit. You start to try to define what is mine. Mine, 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 and what is it? There's this battle of will going over. And then we take a step, then we kind of grow a little bit more. We're teenagers, and teenagers are such amazing men and women because they have such passion, they can do almost anything. However, they're a little bit moody, a little bit self-focused, and think they know more than everybody who came before them. Oh, that doesn't describe Christians at all. Then we get to this place where we have matured and we think, I've got it. I've been in church. I've been around for a long time. I'm an adult now. Here's the problem with adult faith. The problem with adult faith is we get stuck there. And just like Herod, when a new opportunity to seek God comes, what we do is we go back to what we knew. Back to where we came from. He went back to the law. He went back to the old thing. He went back to what was. He didn't go after the new. He went back to the old. That's the trap for Christians. Come on, somebody. Who said, I've been in church a long time. I'm a mature. I know everything. Really? Because there's a new star on the horizon. His name is Jesus. He is not yesterday. He is today and tomorrow. Are you only going to relate to what he's done or who he is and where he's going? That's the trap. Have you ever wondered why the Father had to send Jesus to be born in a manger? And I know the theological answer, yes, so that he could die for our sins. He's the only thing that can pay for our sins. I got that, yes. But here's another reason. Because the people in all the world, they already had all the word. They had his promises. They had the priesthood. They had the outworking of worship. They had the miracle. They saw manna fall from heaven in the wilderness. They had seen people raised from the dead, and they still didn't know who he is. So the word became flesh and walked among us. It's a deeper revelation of who he is. It's so easy, I think, even in Christianity for us to do the same thing. So easy to be just like them, to be surrounded by great worship and good word and podcasts, and you've got 59,000 different versions of your Bible on your, iPhone, on your iPhone, and yet still miss who he is. And what we do next is just what they did. We put together a strict set of spiritualized rules that we call faith to live by. Which actually, in actuality, is a shield that keeps us from living in faith. Because I no longer have to seek after him. I just have to do what I've been taught is right. So we've got a modern day law. Come on, somebody. Chasing after a forever God. 
That's why we can end up living right lives, but without living, in right, without living righteous lives. Because the righteous will live by faith. The righteous take God at his word. I love what the great preacher in the 19th century, the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, said about faith. He said, a little faith will get a soul to heaven, but much faith will bring heaven to the soul. I read that this week and I was like, I was in the kitchen just sobbing like a baby. I was repenting. I was walking my dog when I first heard it and I just kept walking. God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. A little faith get me to heaven, but a lot of faith bring heaven to my soul. What a God we serve. Why does God give us a deeper revelation of himself? Why? Why? Because the Bible tells us in Matthew 4, that we were walking in darkness, so God sent in Jesus a great light. Man, so many of us are sitting here thinking, well, I don't really know. I'm not sure that my life really needs to change, or the way I see life is, is really wrong, or, or it's really that messed up. I mean, there's a lot of people that would agree with my stance on things. But my friends, God's love compels him. Because he understands why we see things the way we see things because we are screwed up. And our heart is deceptful above all things. I was reading a story about miners who were trapped in, the dark, in a dark mine and how they ran out of light. And after a while, their eyes adjusted at least partially to the lack of light. And if you've ever walked in the wilderness, I walked in the uh, 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 forest at night, or maybe been down in your basement without a light on, you've been in that darkness. You know, you know, right? You know that it takes a while, but then your eyes adjust. But they only adjust. Here's the difference. So, what scientists tell us: your eye will adjust so that you can see images, but not not be able to differentiate between details. That's why a stick and a snake look the same in the darkness. And that's what, that's what happens to us when we keep walking in our own darkness. We can't determine the details that actually are leading to death moments in our life. We, we get those spiritual beer goggles on, right? Come on. How, how we make some decisions that look good in the darkness, but then when the light comes on in the morning, you're like, whoa! That, oh, y'all too holy. That was a mistake. Why? Because we, the darkness didn't allow us to differentiate the detail that would bring death. It's not the big thing, it's the little things. It's the small foxes that get in the vineyard, the Bible says, that ruin the vineyard. It's the little holes that get in our life that let in the flood of rushing water that will eventually sink you like the Titanic. It's the small things. It's God's love that compels him to continue to reveal himself to us so that we can see the details of the life that he has for us. The life with him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He wants to reveal more of himself to us so that we can see more of the life we were created to have so that you and I won't give up and stay trapped in darkness and call it normal. But here's the truth. The truth is faith is scary at times. Faith is scary at times because it reveals things about ourselves about our circumstances. It reveals things even about God that make us uncomfortable. Do you remember the story 
In Matthew 14 of Peter walking on water, Jesus says, come on, you can walk on water. He steps out of the boat. He starts walking. He's like, woo, I'm walking on water. Then the wind and the waves come, and he begins to sink. What does Jesus say to him? Oh, you of little faith. What did that moment of faith reveal to him? It revealed that he had faith enough to walk on water, but not faith enough to deal with the storms of life. Come on, many of us can have faith to walk on water. And maybe today your faith isn't to get out of the boat. Maybe your faith is just to put your foot up on the side of the boat. Maybe your faith is just maybe to get in the boat. Maybe your faith is just about sitting down in the seat in the boat. It's not about you got to walk on water. It's about understanding that the journey of faith sometimes is scary because it will reveal things about you and about God that, that leave you uncomfortable but will draw you to a deeper level of worship to Jesus. Because the end of that story is he pulls them up out of the water and out of that water, Peter was not thinking about the miracle of walking on water. He was thinking about the miracle of the one who could pull him up out of the water and calm the storm in the sea and he falls down and the Bible says out of that manifestation came a deeper revelation of God and he began to respond by worshiping him. Faith will always lead us to response. Faith will lead you to response because it will show you who he is. And again, you don't have to get it perfect. I love what Jesus said. In Mark 2, verse 17, he said, man, I didn't come. a doctor doesn't come for the healthy. The doctor comes for the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous. I didn't come to call religious folk. I came to call people who say, yep, I'm a sinner. Thank God. If you can relate to being a sinner, not being perfect, not getting it right, you're in the right place. Because Jesus said, this is what it is. Faith isn't about getting it perfect. Faith is introducing you to the perfect one. But the truth is, just kind of as we close today, I do want to let you know something about faith. If you choose to walk down this journey, it won't only lead you to a deeper revelation of who God is. It won't only change you from the inside out. It won't only help you to understand the love of God. But I promise you, my friends, Life, faith, will lead you to a dangerous life. It'll lead you to a dangerous life. Why? It'll lead you to go back out a different way than you came before. It'll lead you to leave differently than you came in. The Bible says they went home differently than they came. See, I'm here to tell you, faith should be making you leave church differently than you came church. Leave that encounter with that offended person that you met with differently than when you showed up to meet with that offended person. Faith will cause you to love somebody that is unlovable, to reach out to someone who needs extra grace in your mind. There's something that will cause you to leave differently than you came in. 
but it won't leave you unempowered to do it on your own. It'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. Faith will fill you. The Bible says they were warned in a dream, both Joel 2 and Acts 2 tell me that dreams come from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit into a faith follower, a faith follower of Jesus. They were warned in a dream. The Holy Spirit showed up in their life and things started to happen. I'm here to tell you not only will you begin to walk differently, but you can rely on the Holy Spirit to start bringing about supernatural change. Things you can't change in the natural, things you can't bring about, you cannot make yourself dream. Come on, somebody. There's a supernatural element to a life of faith that has to happen and will follow. The Bible says that signs and wonders follow those who follow Jesus. There's a supernatural. I'm not talking about a better life. I'm talking about a supernatural life. I'm not talking about a good person. I'm talking about a Holy Spirit filled person. And you're right, it's going to lead you into the enemy's stronghold. But faith will always lead you through a path home securely. And they got home safely. Mm. Come on, Christian. I don't want to just get home. I want to get home safely. I don't want to just get to the other side of the veil. I don't want to just end my life good. I want, to li- I want to end my life where my God stands up and says, Well done, my good and faith-filled servant. Enter in for great is your reward. I don't want to just get home. I want to get home safely. I, I don't want to end my days begging and down on the dumps and depressed. I want to go into glory filled with I want to enter that gate with thanksgiving. I want to enter that gate with praise. A life of faith will take you through the enemy's strongholds, but it will create a path of safety to get you home. Sometimes faith is simply doing what we were created to do so that God can do what only he has authority to do. I'm going to end with this story I saw this week about a young man by the name of Caden Cox. Caden is a young man who was born with Down syndrome. And while he was in his mama's womb, the doctor, after an amniocentesis, talked to the parents about the viability of the pregnancy and whether she should carry it full term. But they're people of faith, they're followers of Jesus. And they said, no, 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 my God's got this. Now, the beautiful thing for most of us would be, God got this, that means the child was born without Down syndrome. But he wasn't. He was born with Down syndrome. Then they were told, well, I just want to let you know, Caden will never be able, he won't have the mental capacity to graduate high school. He'll definitely not have any of the physical skills to ever play anything athletic. Well, that's funny because he played football in high school and graduated high school. He not only played football in high school and graduated high school, but he went on to college, come on somebody, and became the first player, the first person in, N- in NCAA history to not only play football with Down syndrome, but score points with Down syndrome. Not only did he succeed on the field, he, he, has a, he has a double black belt in Taekwondo. I could hardly get my belt on this morning. He was the homecoming king in high school and in college. He's a gold medal swimmer in the Special Olympics. 
Oh, my God. Faith didn't just speak to him. Faith didn't just speak to his parents. Faith spoke through him. Faith spoke through his parents to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in high school and in college and who are sitting here today and who watched the ESPN special and the thousands of people who follow that young man every day. See, you don't need to have Down syndrome to impact the world. You just need to follow with faith just the way that Caden did, just the way his parents did, and trust God to make the difference. The real question we need to ask ourselves today as we close is what, what is simply this. What could possibly be worth more than a life like this? What possibly could be worth more than a life like this? Wise men, wise women, influencers, impactors, disciples of Jesus, shall live by faith. Will you take him at his word? I promise you there's a star in your night sky somewhere. I promise you he's reaching out, trying to get your attention. And he doesn't need you to do it perfectly. He just needs you to take the step towards the, on the journey towards him. And little by little by little, you will know you are loved and you will be made free to love him back. No matter who says what, where they stand, or what you've got going on in your life, you will be free to love him back. What could be worth more than that kind of life? Today, that's my question. Because I know that's God's question to you. So right now, we're going to settle the question. I'm not asking you to run the marathon today. I'm going to ask you simply to take a step across the starting line. The Bible says you can't get saved by your good works. No matter what you do, you'll never be good enough. But the good news is it's not about how good you are. It's about how good he is. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to the Father. But if you come to me and drink from me, I will give you rivers of living water that flow out from inside of you. Take God at his word. I'm not asking you to be more religious. I'm asking you to choose today to walk it out in faith. If I confess Jesus with my mouth as Lord of my life and believe in my heart that he died and rose again for me, today I shall be saved. Take God at his word. If that's what you'd like to do today, we're all going to pray Can you guys just stand with me? I just want to pray. I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you if we're standing.
I believe this is a holy moment in church. I believe this is a holy moment for many of us in this room. Take God at his word. I'm just going to pray. We're going to pray a prayer that we pray here every week. Just to ask Jesus to come into your life. And to be Lord and Savior. Not just Savior, but Lord. Maybe you've prayed it with me robotically a thousand times over the years. But maybe today can I encourage you to let it be authentic and real for you. There's a surrender that faith requires. A willingness like Peter when I've fallen and sinking to reach up and grab the, the Savior's hand. And that's what this moment is. You can't save yourself from drowning, but you can reach up and take the hand of the one who can. His name's Jesus. Just say with me, dear Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all my life. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. To forgive me of all my sin. To cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. To fill me with that living water. To baptize me with that Holy Spirit. To make me your child. Today I choose to walk out my life in faith. Believing that your word is true. I choose today to live my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you for people whose lives right now are changed. My friends, listen, the angels in heaven right now are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. Whether it be your first time or your hundredth time, the Bible says when one person repents and turns around, heaven explodes. We should be excited. Even if you didn't raise your hand, a brother, a sister, a family member in here. And I believe this. I believe you reap what you sow. Because, again, I take God at his word. When we get excited about someone else in the family, God getting saved, I believe it reaps someone in the family of our origin. Faith begets faith. Joy begets joy. Love begets love. Woo! I'm going to be praying this. Oh, somebody's got some. I believe, I believe for supernatural things to happen at this Christmas party. Some, some of you going to Christmas family gatherings. You're dreading it. And God is literally, I, I see in God, like God's like, woo! And you're like, no! And he's like, woo! And you're like, no! Take God at his word. My God is a redeemer, a reconciler, a forgiver, a God of the supernatural, a God of the impossible. Bring faith with you when you sit in that seat. Next to that person, your cousin, your aunt, your mom, your dad, who hurt you, who betrayed you. You take faith. You leave revenge at the door. You take faith and let God do something.
Holy Spirit, we're just believing right now for that to happen in the name of Jesus. For you to cover every, every meeting, every party, every outreach, every family gathering from now to the end of this year. For there to be supernatural, for us to see supernatural signs, to understand your love more deeply. And help reveal you more clearly to those around us. We're believing for the supernatural. But more than that, more importantly than that, we're believing to get to know a supernatural God. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Open the eyes of our heart that we may know him better. In Jesus' name. Hey, church, before we go, the worship team's going to come. We're going to worship just one more time. But we don't worship at the end of service just because it's kind of the liturgical thing to do. We have chosen to put a song of worship at the end of the message as a response. Remember we talked how faith responds? And maybe it's just one step. Maybe, maybe it's just reading the words on the screen. Maybe it's just actually singing out of your mouth because you're, you know, sometimes when we're this close to people, we're afraid of someone listening to us. Maybe it's lifting a hand. Maybe it's just kind of getting a hand up to the waist. Whatever it may be, respond. There's one more way that you can respond in worship today that matters to God and reveals our love to Him is when we take God at His word, when it says, bring your whole tithe into the house, into the storehouse so that my people may have food, so that my people may be encouraged, so that my people may actually be blessed. Bring the whole tithe. Take God at His word. Maybe your first step isn't even being able to tithe. Maybe it's just being able to fill out this, chair, this, this envelope. Maybe it's just learning how to use our giving app. But take a step today. You can give on the way out by dropping these envelopes in those beautiful uh, gold kiosks there. You can give online. You can give on your phones. But faith responds. Not just with our mouth, with our money with our moments, with our time, our treasure, our testimony, our talents, our trust, faith responds. I want to thank you, and so does Danielle. I want to thank you for giving, especially this time of year, because it really does make a difference. It really does. Come on, why don't we just take a few moments just to lift up our hearts and our hands one more time as we begin to worship God. Trusting in who he is. Come on, Jake. You are good. Let's sing. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength. Wait on the strength. Wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, He will renew your strength, so wait I say, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, He will renew your strength, so wait I say, wait on the Lord. 
We come to you earnestly, God. We come to you in need, God. We come to you in agony sometimes, God. But we come to you, God. Oh, God, make us come faithfully, Jesus. We give us. We give you us. We give you us. We give you us, God, in this season. May we find our voice again. Oh, come, all you faithful. Oh, come, all you faithful. We hear you, God. We hear you in this place. You say, oh, come, all you faithful. God, we say, we will come. We will come, God. I thank you, Father, for the power of your spirit in this place, for teaching us that that's what happens when we wait. You teach us every day, God, not to demand now, but to show up with you and wait. We wait upon our Lord. You will renew our strength. You will renew the strength of your people, Jesus. God, we come to you with everything we come, with everything we come to you. With the good, the bad, the heavy, the sad, the beautiful. We come and we deposit in front of you. And we say, God, may you see us as the faithful coming. God, I thank you for your holiness that has broken out in this house, that this house is filled with people who just want to move closer to you. God, I pray that we know as pastors how to steward that well and to steward that boldly. And Father, I pray as we leave this place today, God, that you will remind us from this day forward that we understand faith you more than we did yesterday, God. And I pray that you would show us how to put that in motion with the people that surround our lives, God. I thank you, Father, for the provision that's in this house that's making the toy store tonight possible. 300 children that we get to help. That is only a miracle in this day and age, God. It is your provision coming into this house. And God, I pray that people see you tonight. They see you. They feel you. They sense you that, you, that you surround them, God. That when they walk through these halls, they know that they are walking with Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the gift, the gift, the gift, the gift of this house. The gift of each other. But most of all, thank you, God, for the gift of your word. Yes. It is a light unto my feet. Yes. It is a light unto our paths, God. And may we hold dearly to it when all other lights go out. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you, church. Have a beautiful day.